Hi, Steve Arterburn here, and welcome to the New Life Live podcast. We hope to provide help and hope in your life through God's Word, counselors, and psychologists as we answer questions from listeners who call with the challenges of life. Let's go to today's episode. Hello, everyone. We are so glad that you joined us today. It's Friday, and we're always happy about Fridays because that means we have a weekend ahead of us. And I am joined today by Chris Williams and Dr. Sherry Keffer, whose wisdom has changed all of our lives. And we're so grateful for you guys being here. We're going to take calls and uh, answer some of your questions. Sherry, I know that you have a wealth of wisdom that you like to share. What do you have for us today? You know, I was just thinking about a concept that um, I've talked about here on the radio from time to time, but it's in my book, Intimate Deception, uh, Healing the Wounds of Sexual Betrayal. And it's the idea of a cheap sorry. Mm. I think a lot of times after we've done something that hurt someone, we're tempted to, well, we often give a cheap sorry in order to make our bad feelings go away about what we did that hurt somebody else. Mm But it doesn't bring repair. In mm. fact, it actually causes that person to feel unseen, unheard, and it pushes them further away. Mm-hmm. We haven't really learned the art of what it looks like to turn things around. And I, I talk about what it means to actually go into a process of owning and atoning. That's what restore means. It's owning the wrongs that have been done um, and, and atoning for those. And there's a central teaching in the Jewish practice, which I adore. It's actually called the teshuva. And it's, a, it's an ancient Jewish practice. But I want to just read some of the steps of the teshuva. And I tweaked a few of them in order to kind of make sense with the infidelity, right, or porn or whatever's gone on in the relationship. But the first step in the teshuva is recognize what you did was wrong. Number two is reveal how you offended through confession. Three is regret what you did wholeheartedly. Four is remorse over your part by making amends. Five is to resolve by making every effort to avoid doing whatever you did again. Number six is refrain from doing that thing the next time you're faced with the same situation or temptation, which means we've got to get accountable, we've got to be in a recovery process and have sobriety that we're working towards. And the last one is to repair the relationship with truth, trust, and forgiveness. And it's interesting to see how the word restore, it's shalom, means to bring somebody back to safety and peace. And in addition, shalom also carries with it the idea of a compensation for an injury, for what was lost or stolen in a sacred sacred trespass. Mm -hmm. Like compensation for an injury, it's a much deeper concept Shalom to restore. Mm. It it has nothing to do with a cheap sorry. These are the steps that uh, I often use with couples that are really looking to repair a breach of trust. And again, like thank you, Lord. You know, Jesus being Jewish, like I'm mm-hmm. like, there's so much wisdom in these steps, and I just wanted to share them today. I think it's, it's great. So powerful. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. we use a term in our house, an or. O-A-R, Ownership, Apology, and Repair. This is so much more helpful in the sense that it goes much deeper into what it looks like in specific steps. These seven R's are really, really powerful. 
I love it. Thank you so much, Sherry. See, I told you, her wisdom is amazing. And I think about that concept of a cheap sorry mm-hmm. and how we really want to be invested in our recovery and our repair and our restoration. Gosh, thanks so much. That's going to stick with us for a while. We, I hope you stick with us for a while as well. We're going to take some calls after this break. We're so grateful that you're here and all the ways that you're listening, whether it is on a radio, podcast, the app, the internet, however you're getting help, we're grateful to be there with you. We'll be right back after this. To find out more information about New Life or to order any of the resources mentioned on today's program, call 1-800-NEW-LIFE. Now back to New Life Live. Welcome back. If you were like me trying to take the notes on what Sherry was taking so quickly, but oh, so good, don't worry. You can get a copy of her book, Intimate Deception, Healing the Wounds of Sexual Betrayal. Just call us, 1-800-NEW-LIFE, or go to newlife.com. You can get it there. And and what chapter is it in, Sherry? Just so Yeah, that- the chapter is called To Tell the Truth. And um, yeah, it's right in there. I love it. Well, I again, Page 289, to be exact. <laughs> there you go. Page 289. 288 so get 289. The book, <laughs> and then you get that whole list and that wisdom as well. Well, we're going to go to the callers. We are going to talk with Erica, who's calling us from Dallas and listens on SiriusXM. Hello, Erica. Thanks for calling. How can we help you today? Yeah, thanks for taking my call. I appreciate it. Yes. Um, I was calling, basically, I just kind of wanted to get some advice about dealing with um, an immediate family member, specifically my mom. Um, So I'm married, I've been married for almost 15 years. I have two kids, four and eight. And really, I'll kind of get to the gist of it quickly. Um, She, she'll like often text me, like mainly in the evenings, um, complaining about my dad. Um, And it's a lot of texting, like, She'll text me easily, like, 20, 20 to 30 texts in a row. And, you know, early on, I would answer and try to help out, maybe give advice. But I kind of stopped answering because anytime I try to help out, like, she never really likes what I have to say. So I really, really come to learn is she's just kind of venting. But I, it's really gotten to the point where it's really bothering me because it's always, like, bad stuff, you know, bringing up his parents and how bad of a job they did. Um, really just stuff that I don't, I don't, I don't think it's appropriate. And so I, um, like I said, I don't really reply. Um, but the problem is, so now that I have my kids, often when we, when she comes over to hang out or we hang out with her, she'll bring it up in front of them. So I feel like it's not appropriate. And my kids are starting to kind of hear and understand what she's saying. And so like, for instance, the other day they asked, my mom, how come you're always yelling at grandpa? And so she'll say, oh, he can't hear good in his ear. Well, I know that that's not the truth. She's yelling because she doesn't like something that he did. So she's always trying to turn it and make it look like something, um, oh, not a big deal, or basically turn it onto him. So I'm really starting to get, I don't know the right word, uncomfortable, frustrated on how to deal with it all because I don't want my kids I really, I really feel like it just in general, she's really starting to talk negative about him, really people in general, other family members, and that's not how I, how I raise my kid. I try to get them to see the positives and try to encourage people, and she's really doing the opposite. But my kids are starting to catch on and kind of starting to emulate some of the stuff that she's saying. I guess I'm trying to get some advice because we see her and hang out with her often. 
Well, it's a great question, Erica, and you have a lot of insight. You're recognizing and you're aware of some of the pitfalls. Chris, let's start with you. What what can you help Erica in this situation? How can you help her? Well, Erica, you're put in a really, really tough situation, right? Yeah. Because let me ask you this. Anyone who challenges your mom on her narrative or perspective or her behavior, what happens? Well, she doesn't like it. Okay. And what? Well, well, for me, she tells me that she didn't raise me right, and I, she doesn't like how I'm how I'm being raised. But yet, I'm I'm almost forty, <laughs> so I feel like um, I don't know. Maybe that's not really what you're going for. Well, well the point of this is this is is that if you challenge her on, or I would say, just confront a negative behavior, and it gets flipped back on you, I imagine that like as you walk into the room with her. Inside of your body, it tenses up. You go, you, yes. you armor up with her. Yes. Okay, that's a feedback mechanism to tell you that she is not safe, right? Okay. Okay. And what is not safe? It's important to recognize what is the thing that's not safe? Well, you know, in scripture, we see that that verse says, do everything without complaining, and, we, and in doing so, you will shine like stars in the universe. We've got to ask why. Why is it important not to do everything without complaining? Well, because the complaint oftentimes, or a person who gets caught up in complaints, is offloading internal toxins in the atmosphere around them. And you would not want your children to grow up in a mold-infested environment, correct? Exactly. Yes. So this is the really, really, really tough work, because it feels like we're risking relationship. And the risk of relationship is to protect the mold carrier from spreading toxins in the environment, which requires this thing that we talk about often here at New Life, and that is boundaries. We are not having those types of conversations here. That's not what we do. I mentioned in a previous show, I like the wisdom of Shark Tank. In Shark Tank, what what they're able to do is they have this line that says, and for those reasons, I'm out. (laughs) What I like about it is they identify specific things. They don't just say, hey, I'm no longer doing this. They they say, no, for this reason and for this reason and for this reason, I'm out. And it's not saying you're out with a relationship with your mom, but you're out of engaging in the toxins. And I think it's important that you are able to identify, even with her, those specific reasons why. Yeah. Do you have other siblings, Erica? Or are you the only daughter? I have an older sister. Okay. And does your mom do the same with her or no? So she does, uh, but not to the extent because she'll often vent to me about, about my older sister because she doesn't like, she's still, my mom will hold grudges for so long. So she's still mad about my sister, um, as she says, not acting right in high school. Now, my sister is older than me. Yeah. So she she doesn't really do it as much to my sister. She will sometimes because she'll get mad at her. So then she'll start texting her and just go on and on and on. So but let me usually me. Yeah. So let me tell you what what Chris was asking. It's if you draw a line in the sand with your mom, and instead of being passive to not respond to her texts. But if you actually have a conversation, put a boundary down. Your mom's going to do two things. 
she's going to do what she did to your sister and maybe even with your dad. She's going to make you wrong and bad and then Mm. emotionally pull away. That's the risk, right? That's why you're really tippy-toeing around what she's doing. But in tippy-toeing around what she's doing, you're not sending a direct message. You're being passive. I definitely agree. Yeah. I, I, it happened one time when I went to their house. We went to actually stay for a couple of nights, and it does happen often. So she likes to have some, like, wine at night, and that's, that's the utter disaster. So that night she started drinking some wine, and she started getting very vocal. Um, my kids were there, so I literally packed everybody up, and we went home. Yeah. I, we, I, I was not going to say, well, the next couple of days I didn't hear from her, so I just texted to say, you know, making sure she was okay because she was not in a good state. And she, uh, instead of apologizing or anything, she just said, um, you know, I told her, you know, that she drank too much wine, which we did not like. We won't be around. And she, instead of saying that she was sorry or anything like that, she just said, oh, I'm sorry. I'm not a good grandma. And I was like, well, that really... Yeah, that it's wasn't what all, I was going mm-hmm, for. Exactly, because mm-hmm. she just made it about her, and that mm-hmm. made you yeah. feel wrong and bad that you even confronted her, because now I'm, she she went to the victim seat. I'm a bad grandma. Instead of I and did some bad... be Yeah. It always so, turns out. So I think that's why I've stepped back, and I know that's not good. Well, it, it's um, a step. You're You're putting some boundaries down, but let me give you the language. This is the okay. language that needs to happen, but you've got to be braced for the consequence mm-hmm. that's going to follow. Okay. Okay. But it sounds like this. And the reason your mom drinks is because she's got so much anger and bitterness that she's trying to calm her brain down at night. I'm not saying it's healthy. It's just what she's doing. Absolutely. So I agree. What, what it sounds like is, hey, mom, I am in a relationship with you because I'm your daughter and we like being with you. So I'm, I'm entering into this conversation with you because you're important to me. That's the love part. Now, the second step is, you know what? I'm not okay with you texting me negatively about dad, and I'm not okay with you talking negatively with me about dad in our relationship. I need peace. I need peace when we're with you. Okay. Mm-hmm. okay perfect. Now, the next step is like you can continue to talk about dad or text me negatively if you choose to do it. I can't stop you from doing that. But then the last step is, but if you continue to text me negatively about dad or if you continue to talk about him negatively around our kids, I'm going to cut back on the time that I'm able to see you. Yeah. Or yeah. text you or talk to you on the phone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now that is a boundary. There's actually a consequence. She doesn't want you to move further away, but you've got to be willing to walk through that and pull the lever back if she keeps doing it. But yeah. it's got to be really clear. And you might, I want you to listen to this call afterwards, right? You can listen because mm-hmm. we have it on our podcast and you can hear it again and again. And then I want you to write it down. And I want you to formulate it. And it's okay if you text it to her because Mm -hmm. she automatically makes you wrong and bad and calls you disrespectful. But I just want there to be a a strong verbal boundary, right? It's I love you. I want to spend time with you, but I'm not okay with this, right? And I, because I need peace, but, you know, I want to see you. 
But if you yes. do this, then I'm going to have to pull away. Mm-hmm. And yeah. it, it mm-hmm. makes a declaration so she can know what's coming down the pike. Yeah. Yes. Well, okay. and Eric, I want to point out a relational dynamic that is common but damaging. And uh, it's developed by a guy in the 60s named Cartman, the Cartman Triangle, or the Drama Triangle. I refer to it as the Bermuda Triangle of relational death because <laughs> no relationship, healthy relationship comes out alive. Okay, it <laughs> enters into this space. When it enters into this Bermuda Triangle, what happens is it starts with a victim state. A person is in a victim state. And they're going to determine everyone else in their life. And there's only two possible positions a person can take, either a rescuer or a persecutor. So if you don't meet the demands of the needs or the demands of the demands of the victim, you immediately become the persecutor. If you do meet their demands on their terms, then you are the rescuer. Which is, she's kind of had you, and, yeah. and the role is her therapist. But you're not her therapist. Yes. You're her daughter. She no, needs I'm a she needs a therapist. Yeah, she needs for a therapist, sure. right? For sure. I have, so, I have suggested that. Of yes. course you have. Yes. We knew you had. So the core, the core fear is that if I'm not her rescuer, I will be her persecutor. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Here's the bottom line. The way out of this is actually creativity, meaning this. I'm going to make a different relationship with her, and it can be scary because she may not be willing to come over and participate in a new, healthy, different relationship. She may be addicted to her victim position. Yeah. But whoever this person is stuck in this place, we want to love her and care for her, but we can't be close. Because I think that's they, where I struggle. They that's won't. Struggle. They won't allow it. They won't allow it. Yes. Okay. And, right. And Chris, what about the grief that Eric is going to feel, even as this transition occurs? Well, it's the fear and the grief that Sherry was referring to. Is like the consequences are going to be real. So you may need support. And the grief. And, and oftentimes, I, I, I define the grief like this. It's called a living grief. The grief is grieving the mom that you have. Mm-hmm. Because you're actually grieving the mom that you never got but you deserve. Mm-hmm. And let me add to that, you might be mother enmeshed. Mm-hmm. Moms that find a child that is there as a caretaker, it's usually a kind, loving child, they use them to meet their own needs. And so if you are mom enmeshed, it's going to feel like death for you mm, to pull away yeah. because you don't know what it feels like to be a separate person. When you meet her needs, she loves that. You mm. get cookies, you get rewarded. But when you actually have to pull back to be a person and draw a boundary, which is what you're doing, yeah, it's going to it's gonna be scary. Like Chris yeah. said, it's going to hurt. It's so powerful, Erica. We're so glad that you called. We're going to send you a copy of Take Your Life Back, but we're also going to connect you with a therapist that can help you walk through this. It's going to take more than one conversation, but it's worth having those conversations. We're so grateful that you called. We're going to be back after this. We'd love to hear from you. If you have a question or a comment, call toll-free 1-800-229-3000. Now back to New Life Live. Welcome back. You know, uh, 
With all this wisdom that we're hearing from you, Chris, we're also looking forward to our Emotional Freedom Intensive that's going to be online March 16th, where you and Steve Arterburn and Dr. Jackie McHarris will help people get unstuck and have that emotional freedom Mm -hmm. to deal with grief, to deal with some trauma, to deal with depression, and all the different ways that we get stuck. And so I'm looking forward to hearing from you then. I don't know if you want to give a personal invite to anybody who's listening. That a- absolutely. You know, there there are these, there's two people I want to talk to. One is that person who hit just hit a wall in your life. Everything seemed to be going well, and now all things are falling apart. And you can't figure out why, and you think it's sort of some sort of mystical or mysterious thing going on. We're going to help you identify exactly what that is and how to get back on track. The other person is the person who just bumps up against the same issue over and <laughs> over and over again. You're circling that mountain and can't find a different route. We will help you identify what that mountain is and how to get on a different route to a better place. I love that, and we look forward to having you all join Chris, Jackie, and Steve online. You can find out about it at newlife.com, and you know what? We have a a free quiz that you can take there to see if you really are emotional free, emotionally free. We want to help you move forward in your life, and that's one of the ways we're going to do it. We are going to go back to the calls, and we're going to talk with Michelle, who's calling us from Colorado Springs, listens on KGFT. Hello, Michelle. Thanks for calling. How can we help you today? Hi, thanks for taking my call. I would really like to get advice on what your thoughts are about divorce and what the Bible says about it. Okay, well, that's a big question. Um, Michelle, is this your marriage that we're talking about? Yes. Okay. What's what's um, going on? Yeah. (laughs) Well, I'm dealing with someone with PTSD um, who refuses to get help, and we've tried marriage therapy, but unfortunately during marriage therapy, he would take an entire, um, an appointment. All of our appointments were just him just seething at the mouth about what is wrong with me. And then he got into the, a fight with our pastor. Um, and I just felt like he hasn't gotten his own help, but he refuses to get help on his own. Um, and I'm dealing, um, with emotional verbal abuse. that's gotten physical, which it hasn't in a long time, but it, it was. How long have you guys been married? Twelve years. Okay. And this has been going on your entire marriage? Yes. Is PTSD from his childhood? You're in Colorado Springs. Is it from the military? Is it all the above? What what do you see as the source? Um, I'm thinking it's both. um, Okay. The military and his family. Okay. And... Has he ever admitted to this or had some recognition and ever a desire to get help for what he's struggling with? Um, Michelle, by the way, no. can you can you turn off your radio, Michelle? Just we're getting a little bit of feedback. Um, oh, I'm sorry. I don't. Uh, you know what? I was asked that initially when I called in, but I don't have a radio playing. Oh, okay. So we'll just carry on. Sorry (laughs) about that. Sorry about that, Chris. (laughs) I apologize if there's feedback. Yeah, no worries. Happening. (laughs) Um, I will say um, he he has he didn't for a long time show interest in getting help until I did, and then when I got help, I was able to see what was happening, and I started addressing it. 
because mm-hmm. I couldn't and I didn't know how to verbalize it because I've had my own trauma mm-hmm. and I was un- unaware that this is not normal. And then when I got through my therapy, I realized what was happening. And so he was willing to come to marriage therapy with me after that. Yeah. Unfortunately, um, after, you know, failed marriage therapy, um, and w- really it was because I was like, I can't do this anymore and sit mm-hmm. through every appointment where this is happening. Well, and, I feel like you need to get help. Well, and yeah. I, Sorry. I'm so I'm sorry, jumping in here. Are you guys living in the same house right now? Yes. Okay. And so still together sharing a bedroom? Yes. Okay. Yeah, because I think that you know, when the question comes at us is like divorce or no divorce. Um, obviously and, and does the Bible justify that? And so we're not primarily a theological show, though we take the scripture very, very seriously. Um, and, and seek a fidelity to what what God's instructions are for our life, obviously. But there's so many things along the way and so many potential other options. And I think that if there is emotional and physical um, and psychological abuse, ha- verbal abuse, I should say, happening along the way, that that's the thing that's like, again, one of the terms I say is hard no. I don't do that. And that may require a separation and that separation and like, oh, go ahead I feel like that's where God has you know he's nudging me to, to do that and every time I go to do that it's where my husband uses biblical principles against me and, and says God hates divorce and for sure but that's just that we have a term for that too and that's spiritual abuse or spiritual man- manipulation because you could do the same thing. You could go around and be like, yeah, he's told you to love me as Christ loved the church, and Christ wasn't verbally abusive. You know, it's like we could go with that all day long. Yeah. The bottom line is you getting strength and clarity on what is absolutely unacceptable and what he has to do to change for you to be in close proximity to him. So, Michelle, I, I feel like there's more because he's made you the target. Right? You are the target. Any history, and we're going to come back after a break, any history of pornography use, any type of um, acting out that you know of, either before or during your relationship, have you seen evidence of any of that? And we'll talk about it when we get back. Yep, we will. Michelle, hold on. Today's podcast is brought to you by Club New Life supporters who give a monthly donation because they want to continue to offer help and hope in these very, very difficult places. To find out more about Club New Life, you can go to our website, newlife.com, or call 1-800-NEW-LIFE. Now, if you're new to us, we drop an episode every weekday. We would love it if you would rate or write a review, which helps more people discover help and hope and helps us share wisdom with as many people as possible. Now let's listen to our counselors as they help people walk through life's hardest places. We're glad you joined us for New Life Live. To be a part of the program, call 1-800-229-3000. Now back to New Life Live. Welcome back. Um, you know, we always talk about how we want to help you 
find that freedom, we've got a network of counselors and coaches across the country that can help you go to that next step of healing. And uh, I can't say enough about the folks that we have that are committed to helping you. Right now, we are helping Michelle, who is in a difficult place. Um, But Sherry, you started the conversation. Let's continue. Yeah, so I know it was a bit of a cliffhanger with you, Michelle, but just wondering if there's been any evidence that you've seen. Um, The only evidence that I've seen that um, he might have had trauma before we were married and even before he went into the military is through his sister, who's more recently voiced that she had to get her own therapy because of what she went through as a child, which obviously he would have gone through as well, but he doesn't describe his childhood the same way she does. So any pornography, any sexual compulsive acting out, anything that you've seen? Yes. At the beginning, there was pornography and it was very light. It wasn't a lot, although I don't know how honest he's been about it. Mm -hmm. So I think that in the military, there's a lot of pornography available, and it's just a way that the guys numb out. And I'm not minimizing it at all. It's just like a, a sieve. I'm not surprised that it was in your relationship in the beginning. I think what's happened is my guess is that you got upset when you found it or heard about it, whatever. And then he's like, okay, I won't do that again. And it just went deeper underground. We were talking to a guy by the name of Sean, uh, on February 14th, actually, uh, Valentine's day. If you want to listen to that podcast, but we were talking about his rage Mm -hmm. and anger towards his wife. And he was trying to control her and manipulate her. And that's abusive. And let me just say this for the record. I don't think it's a marriage issue that you're dealing with. I think that it's a pornography and compulsive sexual acting out issue that's hidden, that you don't know about. And that's why he's making you wrong and bad. Because when somebody is compulsively sexually acting out, they pick fights with their spouses in order to make them wrong and bad, to give themselves a permission slip to go act out. Mm-hmm. So you end up being the abuse. You end up being abused, but people often look at the abuse and say that's the only problem. But the reason that I think it's deeper is because when there's long-term sexual acting out that's not being dealt with, it creates abusive cycles of gaslighting, of minimizing, of harm, of spiritualization, of you know all those traumas and I think you're on the other side of that Um, oh my word you have some wonderful insight that makes a lot of sense what made the most sense for you Um, that he would take things out on me to give himself the permission slip because it is it turns everything is a fight if I am critical Mm. it turns into an ugly fight and then he disconnects and he's not sleeping in the room for a day or two of course he's not because he's using right and so that i want to say to you it's not you michelle it's what's happening around you and so if you need to get out to get safe whatever you need to do to stick that you know spoke in the wheel of what is hidden in order to get him into treatment. Now, he if you were to ask him today, is there pornography? He'd probably say no, you know, because he's going to make it about you. But safety for yourself means removing yourself, 
to get a clear perspective and and start wondering about what is going on that's causing it. Yeah, it, it, it's often the post-traumatic stress, right? Because mm-hmm. yep. the trauma is underneath the acting mm-hmm. out, but there's something there. And I, I just, right. I get so frustrated well, at times because I think as marriage therapists, we try to deal with the issues of abuse, but nobody is asking the questions or requiring a, a deeper truthfulness right. around right. this initial under underlying right. porn addiction that just I think got deep, went deeper underground, and it's probably gotten bigger. Well, in a previous you know, show, we also addressed the Titanic. And to your point, yes. you know, if we're not addressing pornography or sexually acting out in marriage or any other addictive behaviors in marriage, we really are rearranging the chairs on the deck of the Titanic. Yeah, you it's know, true. There, there Moving no, chairs over here and here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, there's strip clubs, there's massage parlors. There is so much available today mm-hmm. on the dark sexual web uh, for people to participate in. But if we're not thinking about that as a yeah. possibility, we're we're leaving the couple in a very um, powerless place. And, and stuck, and, and including him. If he doesn't address this in his life, because this is what people stuck in pornography need to know, whatever pain, frustration, or challenges that you are medicating with pornography or sexually acting out, you're only accentuating on the back end. Those things only grow. That's why the mood, the state of being, be, only becomes worse and worse and worse. Yeah. Well so said. So true. Well, Michelle, we are going to be praying for this situation. We're going to send you a copy of Sherry's book, Intimate Deception, Healing the Wounds of Sexual Betrayal. And, you know, uh, if he is willing, I don't know that this is your first step, but Every Man's Battle would be a great place for him to get some of this resolved. And, uh, you know, we just want to encourage you to, we'll get you connected with a therapist in your area for you and um, to get moving forward in this healing process. It's really, it's tough to take the risk, but it's worth doing. We are going to go and we're going to talk with Dean, who's calling us from Luskin, Texas. Watches us on YouTube. We're grateful for our YouTube family. You can subscribe and like us there and help other people know about new life. Hi, Dean. Thanks for calling. How can we help you today? Hi. Thanks for taking my call. Um, My wife's brother died tragically at the end of November, and it was very public. Um, Our sister-in-law is very depressed and just wants to be with her husband, my wife's brother, in heaven. Um, They have three children, 19, 11, and 7, and the middle child is also having struggles and is on medication and in counseling. We're going to go visit them next week to try to help turn perspective around. Uh, My wife plans to connect her with a local grief share Mm -hmm. and will attend with our sister in love. Sis knows she needs counseling, but she doesn't feel like talking. She's talked with her husband when he was alive and not really with anyone else. What other suggestions do you have for my wife and me for helping um, the family, especially my sister-in-law? Gosh, Dean, your heart, we hear it, and we we love that you want to attend to their grief or her grief. Um, Chris, let's start with you because I know we just talked about grief and mm-hmm. uh, there's just a couple of steps in that direction. But where would you? Well, begin? Dean, I just want to affirm what you're already doing is that what grief needs first and foremost is a loving presence. We put a lot of pressure on ourselves to have the right words. 
you know, to and, and really it's our attempt to relieve or rescue a person out of their grief. I always say this, Job's friends did a fantastic job the first seven days. They, they did exactly yeah. what Job needed. I remember needed. that. <laughs> right? <laughs> and they kind of messed it up when they started trying to give reasons for, for what was happening to Job that was outside of their direct knowledge, speaking for God where God had not spoken. But I love the idea, because I just want to reinforce this. I love the idea that your wife would go to grief share with your sister-in-law. And that, that she's not alone in that process. And as you're there, I do think that there is, it's important to give perspective. I think it's important for her to have a mirror into other aspects going on, especially the care of her children, and then to offer support. Because what it sounds like in her situation is that the grief that she's experiencing, which is tremendous, like I don't want to minimize that in iota, but it's also... I believe, compounded, that her reaction to it, her response to it is showing that there's a lot of other stuff in her life, pain points in her life that remain unaddressed. And this is sort of like more than the straw that broke the camel's back, because, again, it's its own incredibly painful and traumatic um, experience. But there's more going on. And, And just to keep encouraging her and to stay with her in the process for the longer haul. Um, Chris, one more thing, though. What would you, um, how can Dean and his wife help the kids? Because they're at this crucial loss. I mean, their whole lives have changed because of this. Well, I think that the kids, what they need in here is both safety and comfort. And so you're going to want maybe the kids to open up, but they're going to deal with it in their own way. And ultimately, we want them all to get into some grief counseling for sure. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's weird, Dean. Um my brother committed suicide uh, about three years ago. And that presence that Chris was talking about, like I remember who was there. And I remember who just, who was there to just sit with me. Mm-hmm. Not fix me. Sit with me and ask questions about it. Uh, it's counterintuitive because we think if we ask questions about the death or the hard parts of it or what it was like for her, we think that's going to make her worse, but it actually gives her a place to talk. That's right. That's right. We'll, we'll be praying for you guys. To find out more information about New Life or to order any of the resources mentioned on today's program, call 1-800-NEW-LIFE. Now back to New Life Live. Welcome back. We are going to send Dean a copy of the Life Recovery Workbook on Grief. Um, it'll give you some insight into these next steps. But boy, you are a good family member to just just yeah. be so prepared as you go. So in there. beautiful. Yeah, we're going to go to Carrie, who's calling us from Miami, Florida. Listens on YouTube as well, and uh, we're grateful that you do. Carrie, how can we help you today? This has just been a real tough day, and hearing all these stories about grief, it it made me want to call because uh, I think it was Sherry who had mentioned um, a lady who had a problem with her brain always going and just not being able to stop it. Yep, Well, I have that and have had that many years, since 1986, another night that it happened, and I haven't really been able 
to get sleep. They, they said I have insomnia and they put me on medication and the medication doesn't work any longer. So I am grieving so many years of lost sleep. I don't know if it's sadness or anger or fear. I, I'm, I'm just, I'm almost out of control with all of it. Sometimes I think um, maybe the best way would be out of it sometimes. Oh, Try sweetheart. To go to sleep and not wake up. I hear you. We hear you. It's like feeling so trapped without a solution. And uh, we want to give you that today. We want to give you another direction. How how would that be? Great. Yeah. What happened in 1986? Just can you give us the long and short of it? I was, it was a year, one year anniversary for a wedding that I had married someone I knew I shouldn't have. And um, he was very abusive to me emotionally and to all my family and said all these negative things. And uh, two, three counselors had called him a narcissist and schizoid effective and that I should leave him. But I had just became a Christian at that time and I wanted to please the Lord. So I just stayed with stayed with it for 22 years. Oh, my goodness. Until finally the hospital separated me from him. Um so the hospital, meaning started. he got sick or he went into inpatient or you went into inpatient? What do we mean the hospital? I had to go into the hospital. Okay. Bless your sweetheart. You know, my heart just breaks for you because the amount of abuse that you lived with for 22 years in the name of trying to please God there's something really broken about that perspective. And I think there's a lot of women like you, or maybe even men like you, that are on the other end of abusive relationship, chronically abusive, that feel it's their duty to submit to that. And Leslie Vernick has a, a book called The Emotionally Destructive Marriage, and I love how she phrases it, that God never invites us into that kind of a treatment, right? But mm-hmm. but I think we grow up with Christian principles thinking that we're supposed to do it. So I, I don't think your brain is suffering from just one year. I think your brain is struff, struggling with 22 years of being on the other end of a spear of abuse. Now that sets your brain up to be hypervigilant, to feel like that, because the brain doesn't know that the marriage is over. The brain is trying to keep you uh, safe, uh, on edge, prepared for any other abusive person that might come into your life. But that's exhausting. The, the tool, and I want to hear from Chris as well, but I want to give you a tool. It's called Saraset. C-E-R-E-S-E-T. Um, I don't know if it's saraset.org or saraset.com, but um, Amy Grant used Saraset, and she did a great testimony out there. But the the call today came from some people that were at Saraset, and uh, I, I like the tool. But they do a lot to help the brain sleep, because if our brain is stuck in flight, flight, or if it's stuck in frenzy, those are stages of post-traumatic stress. It doesn't know how to relax again. And they help to put your brain into 
uh, a polyvagal state, which means rest. Uh, and they help to turn that lever off in, in a way that, you know, it, it's beautiful. I've watched it happen with a number of people. So I want to hear from Chris, but that I want you to write that down because I want you to check that out and maybe consider Can that. Spell that one more time. Yeah, it's C-E-R-E-S-E-T. And they've got people all over the nation. So, Well, and I'm glad you mentioned that because I was a recipient and a benefactor of that treatment. You did? Yes, I did yes. not know that. It was, it was fantastic. Um, yeah, because Carrie, also, you were, there's this thing called a double bind, you know, and, and I'll use the sanitized version. It's darned if you do, darned if you don't. <laughs> so you're in this situation where if you stay you are unsafe and harmed over and over and over and over and over again you're abused but if you leave you are also unsafe because you're outside of god's will or pleasure yes okay so i, I will say that's what's wrong with this perspective as Sherry was saying, like, ooh, there's something broken with this perspective, yeah. and for sure. Because it is not God's will that you stay in an abusive relationship. And yeah, I found out too late. That's okay. It's well, been 20 years. I know, it's, I know it's been 20 years, and it was late. It was late, but I want to challenge you. It's not too late. It's true. That brain can right. heal, girl. It can heal. Now, the Quakers, this is getting a little heady, but follow me for a second. Indulge me for a second. The Quakers have this really cool theological belief called the eternal now. And what the eternal now means is that all eternity exists in the current moment, and the current moment, all eternity exists. Now, this was long before Einstein got on the scene, and Einstein actually proved that to be true with the, with the theory of relativity. But I want to apply that today because when we, I hear this all the time, I'm too late. It's too late. And I'm like, we got eternity here. You're right on time. <laughs> you, you might actually be early as far as we know because the only time that we have is right now. And, and so the time to take action and we could wish, we could wish that we would have done this in year one, two, three, or anywhere between one and 22. Regardless, the regret will not help us. The action today will help us. Looking up, Sarah said online, starting to take action to heal the brain. And I would love for you to get into some therapy that would not just address relational and spousal abuse, but that would also start addressing where you have been religiously or spiritually damaged in this process and begin the restoration of of a proper relationship back to yourself and proper relationship back to your back to God. It's funny, I know Michelle is listening to every word Chris is saying. You know, Michelle, we had her on the call today, but you and Michelle are very similar in the way that you've been on the other side of harmful abuse. So glad we could talk with both of you today and just bring awareness out there mm -hmm. um, that it's not okay. Well, and you know, one of the things that we are going to do is emotional freedom online, Chris. That's one of yep. the ways that yeah. we can help. And that could be something, Carrie, that you join us um, online, March 16th. Chris will be talking, Dr. Jackie Nick Harris. There's always something to do. 
right? Mm -hmm. And we do have eternity. Eternity has been set in our hearts. And so I just want to encourage you, make today the day. Call us, 1-800-NEW-LIFE. We'll get you on a path and a process. Thank you, Sherry. Thank you, Chris. And thank you, listeners. We'll see you next time. Thanks so much for listening. We hope something you heard will help you live in freedom today. If this content was helpful for you, we would love it if you take a minute, leave us a review, post about it, and rate it. Remember, we have resources and workshops online for you as you continue your journey. Go to newlife.com and find out more information. And thank you for being part of the New Life community. We know that God desires all of us to live a life of wholeness and healing. And we're so glad that you're here.